Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement to put her away. Jesus answered said to them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband, be married to another, she committeth adultery. They brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. He took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. The Unchanging Word Bible broadcast continues in the Gospel of Mark, and we are in chapter 10. Now, we are continuing on from our previous lesson where Jesus had been confronted by the Pharisees as to whether it was lawful, that is, legal, for a man to send his wife away and divorce her. And the passage concludes with Jesus welcoming little children. As for divorce, Dr. Mitchell declares that the law of divorce was originally given just to the Jews for their protection from the immorality of the nations. And Jesus pinpoints the reason why divorce occurs. It's simply because of hardness of heart. Now this word, hardness of heart, is a compound word meaning shriveled heart, dried up, without any feeling, hardened, without any affection. And note that this hardness towards the marriage partner is first of all the result of hardness against God and His Word. Here's Dr. Mitchell, Mark chapter 10, verse 1. Good day, friends. Again, it is our delight and joy to come to you we're studies in the gospel through Mark, and we're in the 10th chapter of that gospel. You remember that our Lord, at the end of chapter 9, has been dealing with the question of humility, or teaching humility to his disciples, relating the fact that humility is the sign of greatness in the kingdom of God. And after teaching them concerning that, he followed on in chapter 10 and is making his way from Galilee to Jerusalem. And he goes down the east side of the River Jordan, which was the common way for the Jews to travel between Galilee uh, and Judea. 
and he's on his way now to the cross. I want you to keep this in mind from here on. The Lord Jesus does not go back to Galilee until after resurrection. But he is on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to be he's going to suffer, he's going to be rejected. He's going to be scourged and killed, crucified, raised from the dead. And on the way his heart is opened up to his disciples. And while he's on the way, the Pharisees came to him and they asked him a question, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. Now, they didn't want they didn't want any information from the Savior. They wanted to put him in a box. This was quite common. You have that, you remember in chapter 8 of John of how there they tried to test the Savior. They hated him. In fact, they had plotted together with the Herodians to get rid of him, to kill him somehow or another. They had no love for the Savior. Remember this, keep this in your mind because when they asked the question, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him, this is what they were doing. They were following the instructions of Hillel, the great rabbinical teacher of the Jews. If a woman didn't cook the, cook the food right, why get another cook? The important thing is that the man's physical being was cared for. If the woman couldn't do it, why get another, get another woman? And the Lord Jesus, you remember, said that the Lord, that God had given them uh, the law of divorce because of the hardness of their hearts. Then the Savior went beyond that back to the beginning. What was God's purpose for man? And I'm repeating what I said in the last lesson because there's some of you who didn't hear it. And I want, you to, I want you to come up with us and go along with us because today we're dealing with this very, very, very important subject. Remember what he says. In the beginning, God made man and he made woman. He made male and female. And he joined them together and made them one, one flesh. Whom God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. This is an amazing thing. No wonder, no wonder Paul calls it. It's a mystery that a young man who has been cared for by his father and mother through the years, father and mother have taken care of him, they've clothed him, they've fed him, they've nursed him when he was sick, they've done everything for him because they loved him. And then one day he saw a girl, fell in love with her. She fell in love with him. And he's willing to leave his parents, whom he loved, to live with this girl. Now he must love her more than he loves his parents. Otherwise he wouldn't leave his parents. This is God's order. And with such a love and such a union, divorce is unthinkable. This is what the Lord's talking about. It was never God's intention that a man or woman should be separated except by death. But because of the hardness of their hearts, listen, friend, divorce was given to Israel. It was not given to the pagan world. It was given to Israel, God's earthly people, to keep them from the sins of the Gentiles. You remember in Romans chapter 1, the Gentiles had been given over to uncleanness. They had been given over to vile affections. 
they'd been given over to a reprobate mind. They were idolatrous. They were immoral. They were corrupt. They were diseased. That's why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. See? Just keep this in mind. That's why God destroyed the old world in a flood. Man's heart was filled with rebellion against God. The earth was filled with violence. And wherever you find looseness of marriage, looseness in the family, you're going to have moral corruption and lawlessness. Let's face it. Let's face it. And if ever we Christians needed to pray for our blessed land, it's today. We, we see the law courts are filled with broken homes and broken lives and broken families. And it's getting worse instead of better. Yes, when a nation turns its back on the word of God, on the person of our Savior, lawlessness and moral corruption comes in. And we see other nations who at one time were, were way up morally, religiously, economically, and they've gone down the drain. Do you think we won't go down the drain? Of course we will. Unless we come back to God, to God's standards. This was God's standard. Now, again, let me, for those of you who want to follow through this whole picture, don't just don't take one passage of Scripture and build your doctrine on it. Take all that's revealed on it. You take Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 to 32. Matthew chapter 19, 1 to 12. Very important passage. Deuteronomy 24, 1 to 4. Corinthians chapter 7. I gave you these passages last lesson. Why did he give Deuteronomy 24? Because of the hardness of their hearts. And I'm repeating this. It was given to God's people to keep them from the gross immorality of the Gentiles. Maybe I should read that passage to you. Deuteronomy 24. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because she had found some uncleanness in her. That is, she was unfaithful. Then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it to her hand and send her out of her house. When she has departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. In other words, there are two aspects to this question of divorce. There's the legal aspect. There's the moral aspect. I should have put round the other way first. The moral aspect first. She's been unfaithful to her husband. Then write her a bill of divorcement. Takes the two things which breaks the union between a man and a woman. The moral issue, the legal issue. So she may de when she's departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. But if the latter husband, second husband of the wife, hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send it her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, the first one, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled. 
for that is an abomination before the Lord. Thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. It's very obvious what the Scripture is. And I may say very bluntly, there is, as far as the Word of God is concerned, there is only one ground for divorce. Now listen to what Mark says. He came to the house with his disciples, and they asked him again of the same matter. And he said to them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Now, in, in Matthew chapter 19 and in Matthew chapter 5, our Lord says something else. He adds this, and I'm reading from Matthew chapter 19. I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, commit adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. And you go back to Deuteronomy 24 and you find the one ground is unfaithfulness to your partner. That's the only ground. The scripture allows just one ground. And if one is divorced, not on the ground of adultery, then according to what our Savior says, you commit adultery. Now I'm leaving that with you. Look it over. Look all these scriptures over. There's only one scriptural ground for divorce. That's unfaithfulness for adultery. And I want to make that same statement again. When any nation begins to break down the family relationship, there's nothing left but lawlessness and immorality. And that becomes the order of the day. And sooner or later, it means the ruin of the nation. And I'm very, very sure today as I talk to you that God's heart must be greatly grieved over so many professing Christians whose families have been broken up, oftentimes not on the ground of adultery, which is the only ground, but for one reason or another. And to be very honest too, I think you'll find in, the most, in most cases, selfishness, extreme selfishness is the cause of it. That's all I'm going to say about it. I... It's a very, very difficult question these days, and yet I'm persuaded in my mind. And I especially talk to those of you who profess to know the Savior. It's not God's order for you to be broken up. Yet I must say, there's only one ground, one ground. That's adultery. There's no purpose, there's no purpose, there's no purpose really in divorce if it doesn't mean you're free to marry somebody else. That were not so that you should have had a separation. And the Lord doesn't speak about that. Now in verses 13 to 16, he follows right along with children. Aren't that amazing? Both Matthew and Mark bring this together. They brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. He took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. 
You notice, I think this is the third time we've had Jesus taking the children in his arms. Oh, what it must have been. The joy that could have been in the hearts of these children to be put on the knee of our Savior and him putting his arms around them. Wouldn't you like to have been there and been a child? I sure would. I sure would. But notice these dear disciples. Here comes the mothers and they bring their children that the Lord should touch them, bless them. Disciples rebuke them. Take your kids out of it. Get away from here. Don't you know the master's tired? In their zeal, in their love for the Savior, they would drive away children from the Savior. And by the way, this is one of the rare times when Jesus was indignant with his disciples. I say again how anxious they were to protect him so he could have some rest. And the Lord said, wait a minute, he was indignant. He rebuked them and he said, greatly displeased, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Oh, how I say it again, how ready the Lord was to receive little children. And how often he said, of such is the kingdom of God. Of God. And if we are to be in the kingdom of God, we too must come as little children with childlike simplicity. This is the hard is the hard thing for adults to take care of. You know, we try to make the way of salvation complex. He doesn't. <laughs> you know, it says in the scriptures, the Old Testament, the way of salvation is so simple that a man though a fool shall not there therein. And oftentimes, you know, we underestimate the capacity of a child. I said a moment ago, how often in chapter in chapter 9, you have the, the boy out of whom he cast the demons. You have the Lord Jesus taking the children in his arms and blessing them. You have it again further over, three times, I think, in that chapter, and you have it here in chapter 10. My, how the Lord must have loved children. Do you? You know, sometimes, sometimes we are so hungry to reach men and women, to reach young people, we forget the children. We put them off to one side. You know, I think sometimes, and I'm talking to Mitchell as well as talking to you, I think sometimes we miss the boat. I, th I think, and I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking right when I say this, children, Children can love the Savior. Now, they may not know much about doctrine, but they can sure love the Savior. I've been amazed. I have literally been amazed at some of the things that children have said concerning real truth of God. Where they got it, I don't know. In some children's Bible class, in Sunday school, in Sunday school. Like one child said to his mother, he was talking about the neighbor's little girl and they'd been doing things and, and this fellow said, you know, Mom, she went right out. By the way, the mother had, had said to, the, to her little son and the neighbor's girl next door, don't, don't pick those flowers. Just leave them alone. And then they went right out and picked them again. That's the little girl did. And this little fellow said to his mother, you know, Mom, the devil will say to Jesus, there's one of your children, look what she's doing, full disobedience. And then the Lord would have to turn around and pray for her. 
Out of a boy about five years of age, four or five years of age, where in the world did he get the idea of our Savior interceding in the devil, accusing the brethren before God day and night? Don't underestimate what a child may bring in. You know, I repeat what I said the other day on this. The devil is very much concerned about getting a hold of children. When Jesus said to this distracted father, when was your boy, how long has your boy been like this? He said, since he was a little child, demon-possessed, affected by the powers of darkness when he was a child. Oh, that our children might be affected by the word of God when they're just little wee things. Oh, listen, Dad, Mom, you take your children. Just pour into their hearts and their minds the word of God. I just think of the Lord just picking up the children and put them in his arms and he blessed them. And he said, of such, he says, suffer them to come to me. Suffer them to come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. You never read of him inviting the religious folk to come to him. They didn't want him. They just didn't want him. Suffer the children. Then he was the friend of publicans and sinners. That he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He loves children. Dad and mom, take that little father, that little girl, and may they become very, shall I say, uh, accustomed to hearing the word of God in their home. Dad, won't you take your place as a spiritual leader and take your, ch your children and read to them the word of God? You don't have to explain it, just read it to them. The Spirit of God will take the Word of God. You, know, you just hide it in their hearts and in their minds. And someday, years afterwards, you know what's going to happen? That Word will be a moral cleanser. They won't be able to get away from it, you see. I'd like to emphasize the importance of reaching boys and girls for Christ. And to you older ones, except you become as a little child, Children belong to the kingdom of God. They come with simplicity. They come with a simple faith. They can't argue doctrine. They can't argue about organizations, however well they may be. All they know, they love Jesus. They love Jesus. Do you? Do you? You know, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Except you become as a little child. Please don't make it complex. Don't make it hard. A matter of relationship between you and the Savior. I don't care who you are, my friend. I don't care how old you are, how much you're in sin, what your circumstances are, but I do know this, that if you would come with simple faith, put your trust in the Savior, just like a little child would do it, he'll receive you of such is the kingdom of God. Well, Mitchell, how did you get in just that way? I was just simple enough to believe that Jesus Christ loved me and gave himself for me. I was just simple, simple enough to believe that he died to put away my sins by the sacrifice of himself. God says it, that's enough for me. I put my trust in the Savior, and I tell you, my life has never been the same since. And I wouldn't exchange it for anything in the world. The most wonderful life to live to live in fellowship with the one to whom you've been joined, even the Savior. That's all I'm going to say. Do you love him? 
Do you know him? Then rejoice in him today for his name's sake. Tomorrow he comes for me. He comes, he comes. Tomorrow he comes for me. for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.